If you would, please come in and have a seat so we can get started this morning. Uh, before we get into our service today, we have to turn it down just a little bit. Before we get into our service today, we have a couple of announcements that we'd like to make, and uh, we would like to do that first.
First of all, welcome to everyone that's uh, here today and to those that are watching online. We're glad that you're here. And if you would, uh, please take the friendship register from the back of the pew and pass it down the aisle so that we can have a record of everyone's attendance. Today we're going to start out with some very good news. Sister Ruth Staley, this is Anita Farr's mother, wants to be known as a member of the congregation here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We want to welcome her, and we are so glad that she is here and part of our family at this time. Please welcome her to the, to the congregation. Several months ago, Brother Ken Forrest conducted a six-month series of lessons concerning church leadership. As a result of that, uh, that group of lessons, we have several men that have expressed a desire to someday want to be an elder in this congregation. And we are so thankful that we have men that are willing to step up and to be elders to be the leaders of the future of this congregation. We have a very bright future. And as I look out among the men that have expressed an interest in being elders, I'm so thankful to, to, to this congregation because we have some great men that in the next few years are going to take this congregation to places that we could never imagine. And we are so blessed to have them. Today we want to put before you the names of two men that we would like to add to our eldership. And we want you to consider these two as, uh, as you think about the future of this congregation. The two men that we would like to suggest today are Todd Sweeney and Aaron Foster. In the foyer, there's a box for elder comments, elder selection comments. We would like to have your opinion. If you would, please give us your opinion concerning these two. If for any reason that you know of a spiritual reason that neither one or either of them should not serve as an elder, please put that in writing and sign your name to it. As always, any correspondence between you and the elders will be kept confidential. But we have confidence in this congregation and you as our members that you want this congregation to move forward and we are taking the first step today to start that process. And I hope that within the next couple of years, we'll be adding additional people to be, to be the elders of the future of this congregation. We ask that any comments that you have to make to the elders concerning these two be done by the end of this month, by the end of August. This morning we come together to worship the Lord. 
And if you would, let's, spend, let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, we are so thankful to you for the many blessings that you bestow upon this congregation. As we move forward toward adding additional leadership, we pray that you will be with us, be with this congregation as it deliberates for the next couple of weeks concerning people that will be added to the eldership. And Father, we ask your blessings on the things that we're doing today. And we pray that it will be right and acceptable in your sight. Be with us and always help us to do what's right. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be number 508. All these songs are in the book. <clears throat> 508.
service this morning. We know, Father, that you love us and we love you and we're thankful for an op another opportunity to express our love to you. And we pray that the worship that we extend to you this morning will be acceptable in your sight. We're thankful, Father, for all the many blessings you send us every day, for the food, the clothing, shelter, the, the necessities of life, and, and you pour out even uh, more abundantly than, than those things. You, you see to our every need and then you 
give us so many things that makes life so pleasant upon this earth. And for all those material things, we're eternally thankful. We're especially thankful, Father, for the gift of your son who came to this earth, was willing to die on Calvary's cross, that we, through obedience to your will, could have eternal life. We're thankful for the church that's planted here in Boonville. We're thankful for her leadership, and we pray, Father, as we select additional leaders that you would give us, as well as those that are being selected, wisdom that uh, things might be done in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. We pray, Father, for those that are sick. We have many that are sick and having difficulties in life. We pray that you would see to their needs, whether it be sickness or those, Father, we know that there are some that have experienced death in their family. And we pray especially this morning for the Malcolm McGee family in their loss this, uh, this week. We pray, Father, for all those that teach here in the Boonville congregation, those that teach Bible classes, those that teach our young children. We pray, Father, that you would be with them, help them to do and say the things that would cause this congregation to grow. We ask you now, Father, as we continue in this worship service to be with the speaker of the hour. Help him to remember the things that he's prepared to say. Help us to listen and help us to try to be the church that you would have us be. Forgive us when we do wrong. We know that we often fall short of your expectation for us and we pray, Father, that you would continue to forgive us as we continue to ask your forgiveness. These things we ask in Christ's name, amen. You're singing from the book number 524, 524. I know whom I have believed.
Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. I have no clicker, so you guys are in charge upstairs. Yay! Today is a big day for the Boonville congregation. I go down there for the elders meetings in the conference room and along the floor there are some old photographs of church leadership gone by, men who served in various capacities, preachers, deacons, and of course, elders. And each group of those you can ask about certain ones, and those who were here during that time will say, well, I remember that during that time this happened or that or this decision was made that affected our congregation. Every group of men, just that special uniting together men of faith results in dramatic things happening. And so we're looking forward to the new chapter that's coming, yes? Looking forward to our new elders as they exercise their influence among the four that we have now. And I just think our future is very bright. And we had several men in addition to these two that also indicated their desire, uh, certainly for the future in regard to the leadership of this congregation. So we are very blessed have great elders already and look forward to the potential that these men have in their lives for the good of this congregation. I just can't wait. Can you? Yeah, three of us are so excited. I know that you are so deeply moved that you just can't get it out. So I just, I can't wait. And I, I hope that we will be patient uh, with our new men uh, as they begin their work. I have a couple of folks who are sick today that have requested our prayers. So I'm going to share this with you and then we'll be praying on their behalf. One is Brian Rowland. Brian Rowland has had some serious problems with circulation in his feet for a while. In fact, as long as I've been here, he has suffered with that condition and has gone through several excruciating surgeries trying to correct that. Well, Brian is in Magnolia Hospital right now. He is going to be having surgery today, most likely right now, with an effort to improve the circulation in his legs and in his feet. So we want to pray that Brian will benefit from this surgery and that he will heal. And we also got this news that Lawan Aust 
she fell on Thursday in her driveway and she broke her right hip. She is also at Magnolia Hospital. They're not going to have to do surgery, but they are going to have to do quite a bit of physical therapy. She is hopeful to be transferred to Iuka for rehab tomorrow. So we want to pray for Brian and for Lawan. I also got this note. I just walked in. I was chatting with Patsy and some of the other ladies that were standing there, and Patsy handed this to me. She says, I need prayers for the guilt I feel for old sins, sins that I fear may not be forgiven. I don't want anything to keep me from heaven. Patsy Bain. Well, Patsy, if you are forgiven, you are forgiven. And whatever it is that has been a burden on you, I know you've already gone to God about it, yes? And we as a congregation in this, if we can just capture this image for a moment, we all together are going to go to God's throne with you and we're going to pray the same thing. And this whatever it is that is tormenting you is going to be gone forever. You believe me? I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Do you believe that? Then we're going to pray about it and you are going to be free. And we rejoice in Patsy Bain and her desire this morning that we pray on her behalf. So we'll be praying for our elders and that whole process will be praying for these who are sick and we will be praying for Patsy. Will you please bow with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this first day of the week where we can gather together to worship you in spirit and in truth. But this gathering also makes possible great fellowship and in fellowship, discussions and sharing, and we just have a lot of things that are on our hearts and our minds today. We think about Todd and Aaron who are under consideration for elders. And Father, we pray that as they've made a, a decision, have this desire to be a part of the leadership here, I pray, first of all, that you'll strengthen them in that. They'll be confident that you're with them and that this is the right decision on their part. And then also, Lord, be with us as a congregation as we look at these men and think about the possibilities. And we also pray, Lord, as they join together with the elders that we now have, and we pray that that's going to be a great dynamic, um, a very positive working relationship. And we just thank you for all the potential that lies in these decisions and we pray your blessings on everybody involved, not, not just those men, but their wives and their families. We pray for these who are sick and who are seriously sick today. We pray for Brian as possibly he's in surgery right now, Lord, and he has endured so much 
but now facing more. And we pray for him and his doctors, the nurses, the technicians. We pray for everybody who is a part of his circumstance that whatever's necessary to promote healing in his body will be achieved and that he will be well again. We pray also, Lord, for the heaviness that he and his family must heal as they're going through this yet again. We pray for Sister Lawan, who's fallen. We pray, Lord, that she will recover and be stronger than ever. We pray for those who are treating her, that they will care for her in a way that will also promote healing and that she will be back with us again and stronger than ever. We also pray for our sister Patsy. We pray, Father, that you will just give her this peace that we all strive for, a peace in the knowledge today that she is forgiven of whatever old sin and baggage that she has been carrying that has been such a burden to her. Father, please release her from that as she's come to you, uh, submitted herself, uh, made these confessions in your presence. Lord, I know that you are forgiving God. And I just, I kind of have the idea that it's as though you're, you're wondering, whatever is this about? Because she is forgiven. But Lord, uh, Satan, he just plays on our insecurities. He is a deceiver, and he would bring up those old things to Patsy's mind. So today, Lord, I pray, along with all of us who have come together, united in our hearts and our minds and our souls in your presence, uh, begging you, Lord, that you would just make her know confidently that she is forgiven and that these things that are in the past truly are in the past and are forgotten. And thank you, Lord, for burying them so long ago. I pray the remnant of that Satan will use no longer. Thank you for the freedom that you've given Patsy today. And Lord, I don't know, maybe there's somebody else here today that feels that same way. I pray, Lord, you'll move them to be free of that too. Thank you for all that you do. And just thank you for loving us and providing for us and caring in the mighty ways you do. In Jesus' name, amen. The text that was written, read, read for us this morning is it's a terrific text because it describes for us what I'm going to say is, is the model church. At least it describes the conditions if aspired to and achieved would, would make us the model church, just as the church there in Thessalonica was, at least in the eyes of the Apostle Paul. You'll remember that when Paul had gone on a missionary tour as described in Acts chapter 17, first stop was Thessalonica. And he went there very determined, went into the synagogue of the Jews of all places. He went there and for three different Sabbath days, he was preaching to them concerning Jesus Christ. Don't miss that, Jesus Christ. Let's put it another way. He was preaching to them about the Christ 
And he was saying, Jesus, that's him. There were several who were among the Jews who heard that presentation and they accepted it. They believed it. And not just some Jews, but there were Gentiles there who heard that message, specifically Greeks. They heard it and there were a great many of them, especially leading women in Thessalonica. They heard that, they were convinced, and it looks like this church is just gonna go gangbusters. Except that those Jews who didn't believe that Jesus is the Christ, they would not go quietly. And as a result of their envy and their jealousy, their anger, they assault those Christians who did believe it. And in fact, in particular, they, they do some unscrupulous things. They get a mob all stirred up and then they go and they get some specific, really rough guys to come along and they're gonna storm Jason's house where Paul and his friends are. And they are just gonna do some damage. But Jason is captured, but Paul and his compatriots, they flee and they continue on their journey. Wow, what an event was that, the beginning of the church in Thessalonica. But don't miss that point that even though there were these really awful things that happened and having to run away from town because of this threat that existed, still there were some Jews who were converted. And there were a great many Greeks who were converted. And we find out here early in this text that many of them had been converted from idolatry. They had been serving idols now to worship the true and the living God. This was a group of people that Paul says in the beginning of this letter at verse one are God's people. This is God's church. And not only that, but I love how this begins in Paul identifying them as a group of people that he was continually praying for. He just loved this group of people. They were dealing with a difficult environment and yet in the midst of that, they were being successful as God's people. And in fact, in verse eight, he says that the word of the Lord is sounding forth. It is that, you know, you, those people can't put a muzzle on you. They're not going to by their threats cause you to just shut up about Jesus. No, you are proclaiming, you're sending forth the word and from you in this very difficult situation, the word is going out into Macedonia and Achaia. And he says it is going practically everywhere. But there is something that I think identifies them, not because of these things as a model church. We say they're a model of evangelism. Sure they are. But there are some things that are inherent in them, some, some unique things about them that set up the possibility of being successful in any number of areas and things that I think exist here already but certainly are things that all of us can be working on. And even if the majority are described this way, there might be some who are lagging behind that need to aspire for greater things. If we are going to be, well, the Lord's church, if we're going to be a model in that regard, then we're also going to have to aspire for what he describes as their work of faith, their labor of love, 
and their patience of hope. Paul oftentimes is very poetic, seems like, in the way he just lists things. But it's not like he really attempted to do that here, right? A lot of times there's just going to be groupings of things and he'll say something really wise and then give all kinds of examples of it or wordplay. But right now, he's just laying down the things that are of note, the things I, the things I pray about when I think of you in Thessalonica. The work of faith. You could refer to that as the action of Christianity. The work of faith. When I think about our relationship with God, I'm thinking about activity. Sometimes when I define faith, I give, I'm sure it sounds like a long and convoluted definition, but it's long and convoluted because I try to fit everything in there that I think is important regarding faith. For instance, here's my definition of faith. It is a firm, trusting confidence in the truth of a proposition based, a, based upon testimony concerning it. Doesn't that just kind of roll off the tongue a little bit? No, I know. But that, is, that is kind of an academic expression of what faith is. It's not meant to be easy to remember anything like that. I'm just trying to lay out what I think are important components related to faith. And the one that, that is foundational to it all is actually the very last part of that. When we talk about the testimony concerning faith. If you don't have true testimony, then you don't have the thing to believe. You don't have the facts. You don't have the backup. You don't have, you don't have the evidence to support the claim that you are making. So when it comes to faith, there has to be absolute truthful testimony or I'm not believing it. Okay, well, where can I get that truthful, accurate testimony. In Romans 10, verse 10, it says that with a heart, one believes unto righteousness. To believe unto righteousness means that there is some condition wherein when I believe, whatever that, whatever that system or that thing I'm believing in is so truthful that it leads to my righteousness. It leads to my being right. So the effect or the impact of whatever it is that is so full of testimony and so evidential, it is transformative. It will lead to, it will lead to my own righteousness, my own goodness. Okay, what, what would that be? Well, just a few verses later, he tells us the source, right? You probably know that one by heart, Romans 10 verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's the testimony? Well, it's God's testimony. Where do I get the testimony? I get the testimony that builds my faith from God. If I get the testimony that comes from God in his word, then it will be the mechanism by which I can become righteous or good. So I'm going to build on that faith. The work, he says, of faith. In other words, okay, I've got that, 
and, and all the things that will result in that faith, but it's more than just having the faith. I'm wanting to move toward the righteousness or the goodness. So in order to do that, it means that not only am I accepting of what God has to say in his word, but I'm also going to put that into practice. I'm going to hear what God's will is, and then I'm going to do his will. Hebrews chapter 11 is the famous chapter of scripture that deals with faith. We call it the hall of fame of the faithful. What is it that made them so faithful? Are you surprised to find that it's their trusting in the testimony of God and then acting on it? I mean, that's our formula. And that's exactly what we see there. Abel, it says, by faith, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Okay, so... His faith was based on what God had told him. And then on the basis of what God told him, he offered. He offered an animal sacrifice. That was acceptable to God. Cain offered not an animal sacrifice, offered from the fruit of the ground that he produced. Now, I don't know if there was some kind of envy in terms of the sacrifice, but I know ultimately it resulted in great strife between them, so much so that anger was kindled and Cain rose up and killed his brother. Yet Abel's sacrifice, even his death, is continually talked about even until now. It is like his blood is speaking from the ground, as the scripture says, as a testament to the righteousness, the goodness that was developed in him as a result of his work of faith. Or somebody like Noah. You know, Noah in uh, chapter 11, verse 7, he is commanded to build an ark. So by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He prepared the ark. Given the instruction, uh, you look around, you don't see any ocean. <laughs> you know, God says the water is going to come when the, uh, the fountains from the firmament are opened and the doors of the deep are opened. It's going to be an all-consuming flood and you're just going to have to trust me in this. And, and he did. And he preached that. And nobody responded. They did not accept the testimony of God. As a result, all perished, except for those who responded to that truth. Noah and his wife, his three sons, and their wives. But notice our, our basic components here. Noah, he hears the will of God. He accepts God's testimony. He believes it. And then he acts on it. He prepared an ark. In verse 8, we find out about people like Abraham. Abraham's one of those guys who the scripture just simply says obeyed when he was called to go out. He obeyed. Now, there are several instances in which he responds in obedience. But again, we go back to our original thought. God gives testimony. Abraham, here's what's going to happen. Well, Abraham doesn't even have the first step in that yet when God makes his original promises. He promises a son. Abraham is an aged man. How could this happen? No questioning, just action. Okay, I believe it because God testifies to it. When God testifies to it, I'm going to act. So instead of just going step by step with the father of the faithful, 
we just simply say, you know what? He obeyed. You know, when God commanded it, Abraham obeyed it. Did Abraham make mistakes? Absolutely he did. But his desire, his intention was to accept the will of God and, and just do it. Even Israel as a nation got into that at verse 30 and following when they were commanded to go and encircle, and that's the command, to encircle the city of Jericho. So they do that, not using conventional weapons like most strategists would have suggested, but they simply go on the testimony of God. God says, you're going to go around this city once for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. There's going to be the blowing of the trumpet, the shouting of the people, and the wall's going to fall down flat. Joshua says, by faith, that's good enough for me. We accept the testimony of God. It is true. And then, not just accepting it, but acting on it. And when they encircled that city like they were testified by God to do, then those walls came down. Of course they would, right? Because when God gives testimony, it becomes the basis upon which I build my faith. And my faith causes me to act. But keep in mind that that action also is a result of love. I was thinking about Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 in this regard, that faith works. We're talking about our, our faith working, right? Work of, work of faith. So our faith works, according to Galatians 5 verse 6, through the motivation and the desire of love. Chapter 6, verse 1 kind of becomes the first step in some examples of how we go from the testimony of God that that would work to the actual implementation of it. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay, so I see someone struggling who's overcome by sin. Maybe it's a reoccurring situation with them. Love is going to motivate me, drive me to act on God's desire to save that person. The testimony of God is a reclamation of souls. And so I see a need that exists. What do I do? Just stand idly by? No, I take action. Why? Because, well, because it's God's testimony. But secondly, he has asked me in my relationship with you to act out of, out of a desire to love you. So my faith is manifested in the love that's demonstrated there. I'm not taken in the sin that you're in. I'm concerned about you. It's not like I say, well, so-and-so's in this sin, so better leave them alone. But they're in a lesser sin. I think I could deal with that. That, that, is, that doesn't play into it. I just see somebody and I want to act. Uh, in verse 2, a little more back of that, where we're just looking at one another in order to offer support, to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Look at there. So we got faith mingling in the desire to satisfy my need to love my neighbor as myself. I love you enough that, wait a minute, I don't want to be lost, so I need to set vigil over my own soul, but I also, because I love you as I love myself, I don't want to see you lost either. So I'm going to try to help bear your burden there. And then he extends it when you get to verse 10 all the way to everybody. 
You know, do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's start there. Of course I would care for you. I mean, we're going to heaven together. We are working and striving to encourage and build up one another so that we all go to heaven. But what about everybody else? Those who aren't necessarily within our circle right now, those who haven't obeyed the gospel, should I just cast them off and say, no, they're just folks floating in the water of the flood and I'm up all sealed in here, I'm fine. No, he says, I, I've got I've to love them too. And so we relish, we enjoy, we thrill at the notion of going to heaven as a body, but we're also cognizant of the fact that there are still those on the outside in need of salvation. We don't just lock ourselves up in here and wait for that time. We are reaching out, trying to save another soul. So we're going to do good to those who are outside, just as much as we would for our own, especially. I'm going to do it, number one, because it's God's testimony. Second, that's going to be foundational to my faith. And then I'm going to implement that through a love for those who are around me. My work of faith, the action of our Christianity. And then there is the labor of love. Labor of love. This is like the attitude of Christianity. Okay, think about that word labor for a moment. They didn't translate it like you might find it in the original language. Maybe you have a newer translation that maybe does a better job than the New King James did. It just kind of fits the pattern that's going here with the three-word description, but labor of love might even more intensely be described as the laborious toil of love. And when I say laborious toil, I'm thinking, man, that wears me out. That sounds hard. Because there is toil, work. But some, you know, some people work harder than others. Am I right? He is saying, I'm talking about that toil, that work, that is hard work. It's really getting down in there and it is sweating. It is, it is just pulling with all your might. Okay. Labor? laborious toil of love? What would that be? Well, we were talking a moment ago about how faith drives us to, to look at others, be concerned about them. And really this gets to the idea of our service. Our service, well, as it reflects Jesus, Mark 10 and verse 45, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Okay, how that manifests itself. Well, the Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, Jesus went as far as anybody ever could go. But back up from that. He didn't come here like with, as a king wrapped up in all of his kingly attire, waiting on people to just bow down and give service to him. That's not how our Savior did it. He came to take care of everybody else. And if I'm going to follow in the steps of my master, whose first 
inclination was to serve others, then that means I'm, means I'm going to have this servant heart. Well, that makes sense because, first of all, we've been transformed into that. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Okay, so little review. In order to get to the slavery and righteousness bit, I first had to believe in the testimony of God. I'm founded on faith. That faith is transitioning me into the righteousness, into the goodness. In order to be a slave of that means that I've given all into it. And so that is going to prompt me to be like Jesus. And Jesus was at the very top of the list, a servant. And so that's, that's where I am in it. First Corinthians chapter four and verse two, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. So as a servant, wow, there's for full circle. I started with faith, but I'm being in the action of my service, faithful to the one who gave me the stipulations of that service. Or I'm committed in it, right? I'm not backing down. So here's the laborious toil aspect of it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's like I'm ever pushing. You say, okay, Ken, I've gotten this far. Great, let's go a little farther. Uh, We made it. No, we're not there yet. Keep going. We're pushing, we're pushing. We never stop. We never give up an inch backward and we keep pressing ever harder, longing to reach our eternal goal. That is the laborious toil of our loving. Well, you know, we were made for that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we're his workmanship creating in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ken, okay, what's my motivation? <laughs> what's, what is going to keep me pushing ever pushing harder, just laboriously toiling in it? What keeps me going one step further? Keep go, keep go, keep go. My love for others. Didn't we say that already? It's a labor of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. It just dawned on us. Wait a minute. He loved me so much, came to serve, and he died for me? Oh, I love that. I love Jesus. Well, he loved me first, but that's okay. I love him. I love him. I am so grateful, Jesus, for what you did for me. You died for me. Yes. Okay. John 14, 15. If you love me, I appreciate the enthusiasm. You love me, great. If you love me, then keep my commandments. Wait, haven't we said that before too? We were starting with the testimony of God. That developed our belief, our faith. That moved us to goodness or righteousness. Well, there's Jesus. And Jesus made all of that possible through dying for me. He was the ultimate servant. And now uh, he says, okay, I love you, demonstrated by my death. Yeah, I love you too. Thank you for loving me first. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, back up. If you do love me, you say you do, then keep my commandments. 
strange thing, very strange thing, is, well, I'll say strange. Let me use another word. How about delicate? A delicate thing. Strange, delicate. A, A delicate thing in keeping in balance the will of God and the love aspect of it. He said, well, let me keep my commandments. Got it. I'll keep his commandments. There's love. Not so fast. The balance. The reason I mentioned that is because Paul mentioned it to the Corinthians. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I could be the greatest speaker. When you hear the words, you're just moved by them. But if what I did was not motivated by love, he says that's a big fat zero. What about, he he talks about prophecy, but you know, how about those who manage and manipulate the word of God? They, they put it into a lesson, into bites that I can chew on. I say, wow, that's amazing. But it's not motivated out of love. What about that person that has such great faith? And we all know one of them that it just seems like whatever they do, it's like if they told that mountain to move, I, I just honestly, I believe it would happen. They just have that faith that transcends a generation of people. Wow. But if it's not motivated by love, no. What about the person that would give their shirt off their back to help you. Surely that is a person of great faith manifesting God's will. Sure enough, the action of it, but was it driven by love? If not, zero. How about the person that dies? They're a martyr for the cause. No matter what you do, if it isn't motivated and driven by love, it ends up being a net zero. You think sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong reasons? Just nod your head this way. Lord, help us not to do that. Lord, help us to find the balance between doing the will of God and being truly, genuinely motivated, not by a pat on the back or some kind of recognition, but just simply out of love. That would be the attitude of Christianity. And then there's the patience of hope. The patience of hope is going to be the attaining, attaining, reaching, grabbing of Christianity. I want to attain to patience of hope. Patience is one of those graces of the scripture. Yeah, you probably, you've probably memorized the list of them. And those graces come together to be the things, if they were maintained, would just open up the doors of heaven. Interested? Yeah, I am. I want those things because I want to go to heaven just like Patsy Bain wants to go to heaven. Did you catch that line? I want to go to heaven. Me too, Patsy. I want to go to heaven. And one way I'm going to do that is by holding on to those graces. Well, one of them is patience, yeah? 
Second Peter chapter one, beginning at verse five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add you faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, sometimes translated patience, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Listen, for if these things are yours and abound, we will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do these things, big if, if. Now, patience will just pull that one right out of there. Patience is active endurance. That's why I use the word perseverance in my translation. Variously interpreted, but that's the idea. Active endurance. That is, it is endurance that continues to be active. Remember, we were talking about how we're ratcheting it up to go to heaven. We keep pushing forward, not going backward. Pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. All the way to heaven. That's active endurance. Patience of hope, he says. Well, what is my hope? Well, duh, Ken, going to heaven. Okay, so here we are. We're just kind of talking about going to heaven right now, about our active endurance, just one component of that pushing for that ratcheting up, not going backward, going forward. One of these days, all that's going to be manifested this way. And, and I think it's apropos to use the discussions that are relative to those who are in Thessalonica, right? Because that, this was written to them, so it would seem like these particular elements would be manifested ultimately on down the road with them. Here's the thing that some of those Thessalonians worried about. Even though they had this work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope, some of them were concerned, wait a minute, Lord hadn't returned yet, does that mean he's not coming back? Or does that mean that those who died, they missed the return of Jesus? I mean, that just seems very complicated. What's going to happen? And oh, no. And Paul is like, you know, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Keep ratcheting up. Keep pushing forward. Don't you worry because one of these days the Lord's going to return. We're going to meet him in the air. All oh, those who have died before, they're going to come forth out of the grave. They're also, there's just going to be a big reunion in the sky. Then we're going to be together forever and ever. Want to be glorious. Uh, but let's say that there are some who didn't keep going forward. Say there are some who weren't inching ever closer forward, pushing, pushing. Let's just say they did give up. 
They lost their belief. They, they got to the point where they forsook the testimony of God, don't accept what God has to say, no longer following the will of God, just out there, but not involved. What about that day? In keeping with letters to Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning verse 7, describes the same event. In fact, it starts off basically the same way. It talks about the Lord descending from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So, I'm wondering here today. I started off saying, well, they were the model church and Boonville, it's got a lot of these attributes here. These qualities, no, no doubt about that. So I'm thinking as, as the church, uh, we have work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope. I, I'd say that's generally true. Is it, is it individually true? You know, we can say the whole church all together, the, the net gain is yay. But are all of us on that ticket? Are all of us ratcheting forward? actively enduring, loving faithfully. If that's something holding you back, maybe you started strong, you've quit. This is no time to do that. We haven't made it to the end yet. I mean, we, when we get there, I must I'll see you there on those streets of gold one day. I say, hey, uh, brother, so it's a nice day we're having. Yeah, it's like an unending day. Ha ha. Remember how hard it was, how we worked so hard and we kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Yeah, now look at us. Wow, it seems like so long ago. What a day that's going to be. Yeah, but that is all dependent on this moment right here, this thing. You know, Patsy, sweet Patsy walks in here today, gives me this note about something that's lingering in her life. We don't have to live that way. Why not cut that off here today like she did? Not going to drag me down anymore. No, sir. I'm getting back into it. I'm ready to push harder than ever. You know, if all of us were pushing like that, we, what a church would this be? I mean, these walls would not contain us. We would win this community. We would be abuzz with excitement for Jesus. It would not be motivated out of a desire for numbers. It would just be a desire for the love of souls. If all of us could catch a vision of that, how awesome would it be? It'd be so awesome that before we knew it, boom, we'd be in heaven. Wouldn't that be great? Can't wait. Yeah, Patsy, I want to go to heaven too. And I bet you do. If there's something standing in the way of that, today's the day to straighten that out. Do not go a step farther until you are right with the Lord. And then, with all of us so right, what can God do?
with us. Wow. If you need to respond today, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together. Till at the cross, Christ will make you die.
If you don't have the emblems for the Lord's Supper, please raise your hand. I want to ask, start out this morning by asking two questions. Now, one is, what's the point of this part of the service? You can answer that in your own head. You've heard this your entire life. You know why we do this. The second question I want to ask is, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? And that song we just sang pretty well summed it up. We sin, and he has to pay the price. This summer, I heard Buster Herring, which is an elder at Gulf Shores, talk about a mission trip he went on. And the congregation he attended used an actual loaf rather than the cracker or a cracker like we used to do many years ago. And he said he hadn't done that in so long that he thought of where Jesus talked about at the start of the supper, where he said, where it was said in the Matthew that he took and broke the loaf. And I want you to think about that because we don't do that very much anymore in the standpoint that we used to. But as Jesus' body was offered on the cross, his body was separated and torn apart. And that was because of our sin. So as we take this, keep in mind that that price was paid for us. And that though we don't physically break it the way we used to in a lot of ways, we are the reason the body had to be torn, the skin had to be removed, and the blood had to be shed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for the bread that we are about to eat. We pray that we know that it represents your son's body. Lord, that we review ourselves, forgive us of our sins, and that we might take this in a worthy and pleasing manner in your sight and count us as part of Jesus' body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that you provided for us a means of salvation. We are thankful for the blood that was offered on the cross as a sacrifice for us that washes us free of our sins. Lord, let us come in contact with it again right now, that we may always be present and holy and washed in your sight. Lord, we pray uh, that everyone here, Lord, takes this in a pleasing manner in your, in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. will bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful again for this day and this time we've had to worship. Father, in this portion of our worship, we are thankful unto you for all our many, many material blessings. We pray that each of us would give back to you cheerfully and much good will come from this collection today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
feel obligated to stand up here for a second because some of you saw signs on the doors. They told you to stop and go around the front and I know it caused maybe a little bit of confusion, but I want to explain the reason why we did that. Um, I've been asked to help and Larry and several of us are trying to do this together to refresh the commercial that we've been using on several of our broadcasts for the schools and different things like that. And we are lucky that Brandon, who y'all know is awesome at this stuff, is going to try to do that for us. Uh, so we did ask for people to go around the front if you could, and if you couldn't, that was fine too. Uh, however, we, we're in need of one thing, so we, we, we need a lot of photos, a lot of photos. Matter of fact, we're looking for about 150 photos. Um, and we're looking for things, we're not looking for like selfies, we're looking for the different things that we do here. So let me give you an idea of what that might be. Um, we're looking for showers, things from VBS, things from LADS, food pantry, baptisms, golden circle, work days, men's breakfast, camps, mission trips, youth activities, ladies conferences. We're looking for recent, last one or two years, kind of action photos of all the things that this congregation does. And I know you have them. I'm asking for you to not send them to me, but to send them to Cassie, okay? And um, if you don't have her number or my number, let me know, but I think most of you have our numbers. Um, please send them to us. We really need them. And um, even group photos, anything like that that you might have. Brandon was out there this morning shooting and, and doing a lot of work for us, and uh, that's all we need now is the photos, and I think we might be able to refresh it. So anyways, that's what I had. Sorry for any confusion. I'll take the signs down after this morning, okay? We had 320 uh, together this morning in worship, and uh, isn't that great? Amen. I hope you uh, got a bulletin and that you will uh, not only uh, just discard it, but take it and be aware of all of the things going on in it, especially the list of those who are sick and those who are uh, in need of our prayers and that you'll pray for them. You continually pray for them and that you will not only pray for them, but check on them and do whatever it is that you might be able to do to help them. The Landmark Nursing Home Devotional is today at 4 o'clock. Uh, ladies and men as well are invited to a baby boy shower this afternoon from 1.30 to 3 o'clock in the annex for Lauren and Austin Benjamin Brumley. And we hope you'll be a part of that if you can. The new church directory is still in progress, uh, the process of getting that together. If you have not done your family information and gotten your photos submitted to Brother Larry, uh, you need to do that yesterday. Uh, as soon as possible so we can get that uh, ready to go. Uh, kids, in case you were wondering, uh, Brother Doug is out of town at polishing the pulpit. Um, I hope you'll pray for him. I think Brother Luther is also there as well and perhaps some others. But uh, Kids Sing will take place today. Um, Drew Bruce is going to take care of that today. So thank you, Drew, for doing that. I want to, the last thing before we uh, have our prayers, I hope that you will read the piece in the bulletin about the girls' day that's coming up uh, this coming Saturday. Folks, a lot of work and prayer has gone into that, and the ladies of this congregation have worked hard and prayed about that, that you'll get this and read this uh, next Saturday from 8.30 to 2. Uh, it is geared toward uh, 7th, 
through college age, but every Christian lady is asked to come be a part of that, to encourage that. I pray that uh, you will fill that room up and encourage these young ones. You'll make sure that that age group is there, but that you'll be there as well. They have worked very hard at getting it together, worked very hard at getting a speaker who is very qualified. In fact, she's the MC of the, the Transformed Ladies Conference to which our ladies go that is growing every year. So I hope that you will begin praying about that and that you will encourage. Men, don't say, I hope you hadn't turned off, that you will start today praying about that and encouraging your ladies to come be a part of that. In fact, maybe you'll volunteer to keep the babies or do the things that need to be done on that Saturday morning so that your ladies can be there. Let's pray together. Most gracious and holy heavenly Father, we come before you now on the bended knees of our hearts, thanking you for all that you do for us. Father, forgive us when we fail, strengthen us as we serve, and fill us, Father, with the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for your son, Jesus. May we always live to serve and serve as we live. In Jesus' name, amen.